0: Last week, we looked at evidence proving Jesus was a true historical person. But was Jesus merely a great man and philosopher? Was Jesus' deity simply contrived by men hundreds of years after his death? Or was Jesus truly the Son of God? Join Eric Lyons as he investigates these claims using both biblical and secular works. And as always, if you enjoy this lesson... Check the episode description for a link to the full video program. Enjoy! In Acts chapter 11, we read in verse 26 that the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. And then we read a few chapters later in the book of Acts, when the Apostle Paul was talking about how he had become a Christian, how Agrippa said that, "...you almost persuade me to become a Christian." And then you recall that term Christian again in Peter's first epistle where he said, "...let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter." The American Standard Version says, I believe, "...let him glorify God in this name." What name is that? Well, it's the beautiful name Christian. We call ourselves Christians, those of us who are Christians, because we believe with all of our heart that there was a man who was born of a woman, a virgin in the first century whose name was Jesus and that he grew, as the Bible tells us, in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men and how he did many, many wonderful things while he was on earth. How he taught more astoundingly than anyone had ever the truths that came from his mouth. They fell on the hearts of people. Some of them, that is, their hearts were hardened. Some were softened by that truth. And they became obedient to Him and His message. He worked miracles to prove who He was and He lived a perfect, sinless life before being crucified on the cross and rising from the dead. You see, we call ourselves Christians because we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Do you realize, those of you who are Christians, that we are in the minority in this world today? That there are hundreds of millions of people who claim no religion at all, who are religionless, who are atheists or agnostics. There are something like a billion Muslims in the world today, there's hundreds of millions of Hindus and Buddhists and others we are in the minority, that there are many people who do not believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so we owe it, I believe, to our contemporaries. I believe that I owe it to my contemporaries, to young people who may question the faith of their parents or why they believe what they believe. We owe it to the world around us to talk in a reasonable way about the greatest person who ever lived on this earth, especially in a time and in a day where the the criticisms against Christ seem to be so intensive. We've already quoted from Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code in this seminar series. I want to show you another quotation from his book that came again from one of his lead characters where he said something about Jesus and about Christianity and about the Bible that is something that Christians disagree with very much. And we want to talk about this idea of whether Jesus was really God or whether He was just a man. One of the lead characters in the book said, "...Jesus was viewed by His followers as a mortal prophet, a great and powerful man, but a a man nonetheless, a, a mortal." Jesus established as the, his establishment as the Son of God was officially proposed and voted on by the Council of Nicaea. By officially endorsing Jesus as the Son of God, Constantine, that is the Roman Emperor there in AD 325, turned Jesus into a deity. That Constantine turned Jesus into a deity who existed beyond the scope of the human world, an entity whose power was unchangeable. Constantine As the story goes, upgraded Jesus' status almost four centuries after Jesus' death. Constantine commissioned and financed a new Bible which omitted those Gospels that spoke of Christ's human traits and embellished those Gospels that made him God-like. Was Jesus merely a man? What does the Bible have to say about that? What does reason have to say about that? Was Jesus made God? Was He voted upon and established as God three centuries after His death? Was He just a great man? Was He a a good prophet? Was He a great philosopher? Or was He truly the Son of God? Is it the case that Someone like Constantine turned Jesus into God in about AD 325? I was talking to an old high school friend not long ago who had read the book, The Da Vinci Code, and I was surprised to hear him say that he believed a lot of the things in the book and felt like there were a lot of truths about that, apparently, that Christians needed to hear. The fact is, the idea of Jesus being a mere man does not make sense in light of what the scriptures say, in light of what common sense says, and the allegations that he was turned into God do not uh, line up with what the evidence says and reveals. The idea that the Bible writers' writings were changed centuries after they were originally written just to make Jesus more than he was, better than he was, more godlike than the scriptures portrayed him, is not factual. And we have several evidences to back that up. First of all, we have the fact that the Old Testament prophesied of his deity. Not only the fact that Jesus would come, a Messiah would come, but the Old Testament tells us some things gives us some hints about this Messiah and whether He was just going to be a mere man or whether He was going to be God. You recall that in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 how Isaiah wrote, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon His shoulder, and His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What did Isaiah say? He would be called what? He would be called Wonderful, Counselor. He would be called Prince of Peace, Mighty God. 700 years before Christ, 1,000 years before some Roman emperor supposedly made Jesus God, The prophet said that Jesus would be called Mighty God, Everlasting Father, or as some have understood this to mean, and I believe correctly so, Father of Eternity. He has always been and always will be the Messiah. Isaiah prophesied about this long before Jesus came to earth. And then we read in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel." Call his name Emmanuel, which means Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, which means God with us. So he would be called mighty God. He would be everlasting Father. He would be, his name means God with us. And then we have the prophecy from Isaiah about the forerunner of Christ, about the one who would come and prepare the way for Christ. But notice what it has to say about the Christ. The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. We read in Malachi 3.1, Behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me, says the Lord of hosts. Well, who was the forerunner of Christ? Who was the one to come and prepare the way for Christ? Well, we read in the Gospel of John, John the baptizer said, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said, Who was the forerunner of Christ? John the baptizer. Who was he preparing the way for? Well, notice that in Mark's gospel account, after you have quotations from Isaiah and Malachi about the forerunner of Christ, the one who would come and prepare the way for the Messiah, we read that John came baptizing in the wilderness, and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And he preached, saying, There there comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose." John the baptizer was the forerunner. He came before someone. Who was that someone? Well, when you continue to read in the first chapter of Mark, you find out that someone was Jesus. Who was Jesus? the one that John was preparing the way for. But notice when you go back to Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3, it says that John the baptizer, you see, it prophesies about him, the one who was crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for whom? To prepare the way for a mere man. Prepare the way for a good moral Philosopher, a, a good teacher, a kind person. No, prepare the way of the Lord. That is, prepare the way for Jehovah. And then you read in the next phrase, make straight in the desert a highway for a mere man. No, he said, for God. Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Who was Jesus? Well, let's go back to the Old Testament. What did the Old Testament say about the One who would come? Well, that He would be called Mighty God, Everlasting Father, that His name would mean God with us, that He would come after His forerunner, and the forerunner was preparing the way for Him who was Jehovah, the Lord, our God. Interestingly, Oh, about 170 years or so after Jesus' death, around A.D. 200, Irenaeus wrote, This is Christ about Jesus. He said, This is Christ, the Son of the living God. Now the Scriptures would not have testified these things of Him if like others He had been a mere man, but that he had beyond all others in himself that preeminent birth, which is from the Most High Father, and also experienced the preeminent generation, which is from the Virgin. The divine scriptures do in both respects testify of him. Now notice this. That he is, that he is what? That he is the Holy Lord, the Wonderful, the Counselor, and the Mighty God. In roughly A.D. 200, you have one of the early writers, not inspired writers, but One of the early patristic writers or so called church fathers who wrote about Jesus and referred back to Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 to talk about who Jesus was. 1800 years ago, some of the earlier followers of Christ used the same passages that we use today to refer to who Jesus was. He goes on to say in this quotation the mighty God coming on the clouds as the judge of all men. All these things did the Scriptures prophesy of Him. The allegations are Jesus was merely a man, that He was made up, that the idea of Him being more than a man, the Son of God, God in the flesh, that that idea was voted upon years after His death. No, the fact of the matter is the Scriptures has, have testified to who Jesus really was long, long ago, long before the Roman Emperor Constantine, long before Jesus was born of Mary, 700 years before that, the prophet Isaiah said he would be mighty God. And so we have the fact that the Old Testament prophesied that he was more than a man. And you have the fact that Jesus and others repeatedly referred to His, that's Jesus, divine nature, while He was on earth. You have the fact that Jesus referred to Himself several times in a way that normal men don't refer to themselves. If I stood up here today and said, I am equal with God, or that I am one with the Father, or that I came down from heaven, or that I am the I am, you wouldn't think very highly of me at all. Well, consider the fact that in Mark 14, 62, when he was asked by the high priest, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? Are you the Christ, the one that Isaiah prophesied of and many other prophets? The one who would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace? Jesus said, Nope, I'm just a mere man. Are you the Christ? Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? He said, I am. Let Jesus tell you who He was. I am the Christ." In John chapter 3 and in John chapter 6, Jesus mentioned that He came down from heaven. Do you know any mere men who originated in heaven who came down from heaven? Of course, Jesus had no origination because He is Father of eternity. He is everlasting Father. He always has been. Jesus said that we are to honor Him just as we honor the Father in John chapter 5. If any man stood up here today and said, you owe me the honor that you owe the Father, we would rebuke him severely. You remember how in Acts chapter 12 there was Herod there who was receiving praise from men and how he was struck dead right there because they praised him as a God. You remember how Peter would not allow Cornelius to honor Him or worship Him, and that Paul and Barnabas did not want men or anyone worshiping them. You see, good men won't accept worship. Jesus said, You honor Me as you honor the Father. A mere man, a good man, as Jesus was, would not have said such a thing. And then in John chapter 8, you recall that Jesus was talking with His enemies of that day and they had already criticized Him heavily about various things. and. Jesus had made some statements about who He was, and they said something about Abraham. And He says before... He said, I saw Abraham's day. And they said, well, you're not even fifty years old. How did you see Abraham's day? You remember what He said before Abraham was? I am. I am. Which rings of the great I am of Exodus chapter 3. Incidentally, there are those today who claim to be Christians who doubt the deity of Christ. The Jehovah's Witnesses have a translation of Scripture, the New World Translation, and in John chapter 8, they unjustifiably translate John eight fifty eight before Abraham was, I have been. And yet, other times in that exact same chapter, they translate the Greek "ego i me I am," which is the same Greek there in John chapter eight and verse fifty-eight. Jesus said, "Before Abraham was, I am." You see, he always has been. He was then. He is now. He will be tomorrow. He always has been. He is the I am. In the very next chapter in the Gospel of John, we read that after Jesus healed the man of his blindness, that Jesus later caught up with him again and said to you believe in the Son of God. He says, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe? And Jesus said, and I'm summarizing his words, you're looking at him. And you remember what the man who had been healed of his blindness did? He fell down and worshipped him. Worship Jesus. What did Jesus say? Did he say, Get up. I'm a mere man. Don't worship me. Jesus accepted his worship as he accepted the worship of others. And you know those who were closest to Him during His ministry? After Jesus, in the very end of Luke's Gospel account, after Jesus ascended up into heaven, the text tells us, after it mentioned that fact, that the apostles worshiped Him. Do you think they thought they were worshiping a mere man? Jesus had already said, you are to only worship God. You remember when Satan was tempting Him He said, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. Well, what did Jesus have to say about Himself? Well, that He was the I Am. That He accepted worship. And then in John chapter 10, you recall that Jesus said, I and the Father are one. And the skeptic says, or even maybe those Christians who do not believe that Jesus was or is God, they say, Well, what does that mean? He and the Father are one? That doesn't prove that He was more than a man or more than a great angel who came down to earth. Well, it's interesting that just three verses later, you have those who were ready to kill him, to stone him. Why? Because he, being a man, made himself God. They understood what Jesus meant when he said, I and the Father are one. And you have his enemies also doing the very same thing, being upset with Jesus because He made Himself God in John chapter 5 and verse 18. And then you have others who claimed that Jesus was more than just a man. By the way, consider the fact that Jesus saying that He would build His church in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. The very fact that he said he was going to build his church, and the fact that the Scriptures talk about the church as being his, his body, the churches of Christ salute you, Romans 16, 16. The very fact that he said he was going to build his church, the Bible calls it his church, but but the Bible also calls it the church of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 2 should indicate to us that by Jesus making those statements, and the Bible writers making those statements, that Jesus was more than just a mere man. But what did Jesus' friends have to say about Him? Well, you recall in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. What did John the Apostle have to say about Jesus? that that Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth." The Word is God. Jesus is the Word. Jesus is God, John said. What about John the baptizer? He looked at Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Do you think he thought Jesus was a mere man? Do mere human beings take away the sins of the world? And what about Andrew when he went and found Peter? He said, we have found the Messiah. And what about Nathanael? When he saw Jesus, he said, you are the Son of God. What did Jesus' friends, what did the New Testament apostles and prophets have to say about Jesus? In Matthew 16, 16, what did Peter say? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And what is it that we read in John 20 and verse 28? Where Thomas... After seeing the risen Lord, he says, my Lord and my God. Jesus was not a mere man. He didn't believe that. He didn't say that. He said he was more than that. And we, were, we are to honor him just as we honor God because he is God in the flesh. John chapter 1 and verse 1. As the New Testament apostles and prophets have also said, he is more than than a mere man." And after the Apostle born out of due time, after the Apostle Paul was converted to Christ, you recall that he went out preaching the Christ in the synagogues as the Son of God. The eternally blessed God. That is who Paul said Jesus was in Romans chapter 9 and verse 5. So What did the Old Testament have to say about Jesus? That He was more than a mere man. That He was God. What did the New Testament apostles and prophets have to say? That He was more than a mere man. That He was the Son of God and is God in heaven today. The Old Testament prophesied of that. The New Testament tells us something about Jesus. But you see, the critics of Christ may say, well, you know, those manuscripts were tainted The Christians got a hold of them and added these things or those things. Constantine made Jesus out to be more than he was. Well, it's very comforting to me to consider the fact that we have Greek manuscripts of the New Testament that go back long before A.D. 325, that go back almost to the end of the first century, that tell us something about Jesus' nature, in fact. There is a book that I have in my library called, In the Text of the Earliest... or it's called, The Text of the Earliest New Testament Greek Manuscripts. And in it, more, there are more than 60 of the earliest Greek New Testament manuscripts that they have there. And it's very interesting that when you read in the introduction of this book, the editors Comfort and Barrett state, all of the manuscripts, all of them contained in this book that is, are dated from the early 2nd century to the beginning of the 4th century from around A.D. 100 to A.D. 300. Long before, at least a quarter of a century before, the Council of Nicaea when Jesus was supposedly made God. When the Scriptures, when the New Testament was supposedly embellished to make Jesus out to be more than He really was. To me, this is very faith-building when you consider that there are manuscripts of the New Testament that talk about who Jesus was long before Jesus was supposedly, or at least the Scriptures were supposedly, embellished to mean more than that. Copies of John chapter 1 and verse 1 found in manuscripts designated P66 and P77, or P75 seventy seven or P go back to the late second century and early third centuries, 100 to 150 years before Constantine and the Council of Nicaea. John 1-1. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Was around long before someone supposedly changed the Scriptures to make Jesus more than what He really was and then Jesus' claim, I and my Father are one, and the Jews' recognition of that claim and their understanding that He made Himself God, that also predates the time of when Jesus, the the message about Jesus was supposedly embellished. A copy of Paul's letter to the church at Philippi in which he affirms Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, again, existed in manuscripts that go back prior to A.D. 325. Prior to the time, as is said in the Da Vinci Code, that the Scriptures were embellished to make Jesus more than a man. The facts are the Old Testament prophesied of His deity long before A.D. 325, even before Jesus was on earth. And so when we read criticisms like Jesus was a a mortal prophet, a man, a, a mortal, that Constantine turned Jesus into deity, that Constantine upgraded Jesus' status, that he changed the Bible somehow. Well, those statements simply are not true. We have fact after fact that reveals to us and that builds our confidence up and should in Jesus being more than just a mere man. Consider a fourth line of evidence that there are writings from early Christians were the patristic writers, all of which predate the time of the Roman emperor who supposedly changed the scriptures to make Jesus out to be more than he was. And they reveal something about Jesus. Notice a few quotations here. From Ignatius, who died in the early second century and is thought to have been a companion of the Apostle John. He referred to Jesus Christ as our God several times in his letters. Polycarp, who was a contemporary of Ignatius and died around AD 150, wrote a letter to the church at Philippi in which he called Jesus the Son of God and our everlasting High Priest. Where did these men get this information? Why did they believe this shortly after the time of Christ? Well, because they read the writings of the apostles and prophets of the New Testament, which convinced them of this very thing. And they also read the Old Testament prophecies. Justin Martyr wrote in the second century that Jesus, quote, being in or being the first begotten Word of God, is even God. And then we have Irenaeus, whom I quoted from earlier, who said, this is Christ, that is Jesus, is Christ, the Son of the living God. He is Himself, notice this, in His own right beyond all men who ever lived. God and Lord and King Eternal, and the incarnate Word proclaimed by all the prophets and the apostles and by the Spirit Himself." Why did Ignatius, Polycarp, Justin Martyr, Irenaeus, why did these men who lived centuries ago, after the New Testament documents were penned, why did they believe that Jesus was more than a mere man? Because they read, or they read the same scriptures that we read which indicated to them that Jesus was more than a mere man." And notice once again that these writings, that these documents, the things that these men wrote, that they were around before the time Jesus was supposedly made out to be a God and how the Scriptures were supposedly twisted twisted to make Him God. Notice one of the enemies of Christianity that has already been quoted in this seminar, Pliny the Younger. But notice in this context what he had to say about the Christians and Christ in a letter that he wrote around the year A.D. 112 to Emperor Trajan. Pliny, Pliny the Younger, he stated, they, that is the Christians, were in a habit of meeting on a certain fixed day before it was light, when they sang an alternate verses, a hymn to Christ as to a God. So here you have information from a non-believer who says not only was Jesus a real person, but the Christians, they worship Him as a God. What did the early Christians think about Christ? Well, that he was more than just a, a mere man. Notice another enemy of Christianity in the second century, Lucian, that we have quoted from already in this seminar as well. The Christians, you know, worship, he said, a man to this day. Now, he wasn't favorable toward Christianity, you see, but notice he says the Christians worship a man to this day. Now, he didn't believe Jesus was God, but he acknowledged that they worship this man. Now do you think the Christians knew better than to worship a mere man? The fact that they worshiped him, that the New Testament tells us they did, that the writings of the early Christians say that they did, and here you have enemies who testify that they worshiped someone, indicates something about his nature. They would not have worshiped him, that is the Christians, if they believed he was a mere person. Notice that he goes on to say at the end of this quotation, that, that is, the Christians deny the gods of Greece and worship the crucified sage, Jesus. He was more than a man. What do you think about him? Let me show you a quotation from a young lady named Jennifer Rawlings who wrote into Newsweek magazine back in the year 2000. And this is what she had to say. She said, I am a 17-year-old student and I was disappointed by your cover story, Visions of Jesus. It seems that Newsweek attempted to find a middle ground in presenting a view of Jesus as a character who who could appeal to all people. But that is impossible. Either Jesus was in fact the Son of God, as He claimed, or He was a lunatic. No one who claims to be the Son of God is simply a good teacher. Other great religions will never accept Jesus to be who He said He was. If they do, then they are not Jewish, Muslim, or Buddhist. They are Christian," she says. What she is pointing out here is something that we hear, but we may not recognize, and we may not ponder on And it is the fact that if Jesus said He was God, but He wasn't, then what does that say about His integrity? He was a liar? Or some have said He was a lunatic? If He wasn't God, You see, we have people today sitting in classrooms and standing up before uh, classes at various universities teaching literature or other subjects and they will talk about how Jesus was a great person, a great philosopher, a good man, and then read some of His teachings and then they stand up and say, but He wasn't God. How could Jesus be a good man if He wasn't God when He said He was God? Well, notice some years back, about 50 years before the letter that was written by Jennifer Rawlings that we just quoted from. C.S. Lewis wrote in his book, Mere Christianity, saying, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept him or his claim to be God. That is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with a man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. He said, you must make your choice. Either this this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit on him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God, but let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great moral teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. C.S. Lewis put in writing what is known as the trilemma. You see, Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or a Lord. Either Jesus said He was God and was lying, or He said He was God and was not right in the head, or he truly was the Lord. If I stood up here today and I told you that my name is President George W. Bush, and I was serious about that, well, you would know that I'm a lunatic because you know I'm not President George W. Bush or you would know that I'm lying because I'm not President George W. Bush. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. He said, I am the prophesied Messiah. So was He or not? You have to make that choice. And those who are out here trying to have their cake and eat it too, saying Jesus was a great man, a, a, a great moral teacher. We're going to study His writings today. How can they have it both ways and then say, but Jesus was not who He claimed to be? It's interesting to me that some of the enemies of Christianity from the past who are very famous, be it Rousseau or others, have said things about Jesus that I find interesting in light of the fact that they didn't believe that He was the Son of God. Rousseau said, if the life and death of Socrates were those of a sage, the life and death of Jesus were those of a God. The facts respecting Socrates, doubted by no one, are less perfectly attested than those respecting Jesus Christ. Renan, another uh, French uh, atheist, said he once called Jesus a sublime person and declared that in Him is condensed all that is good and lofty in our nature. It's interesting to me that some of the most rabid enemies of Christianity from the past have still stated things about Jesus being a, a good person. And they don't believe that He was crazy or a lunatic, but they don't believe that He was who He claimed to be. You cannot have it. Those, both of those ways. He was who He said He was, who the apostles and prophets said that He was, or He was a liar, or He was... A lunatic. Now, verbalizing that Jesus is the Son of God is important. Believing that Jesus, who is who He said He was, is important. First of all, you have to make the choice who was Jesus. Second, once you make the choice, you have to decide whether you're going to commit your life to Him. You see, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but He who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Jesus is going to be revealed one day with His mighty angels flaming fire, taking vengeance on them who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. In this seminar series, we have talked, we have focused on Jesus. We have discussed His reality. We have discussed His uniqueness. We have discussed the prophecies that He fulfilled, His resurrection, how the critics claims that the Bible is inconsistent in its nature of referring to Jesus as both sinless, but also a sinner, are simply not legitimate arguments and are not reasonable. You have to decide who Jesus is. And once you come to that decision, once you come to know Jesus and know that He is the Son of God, then you have to consider whether you are going to obey Him and whether you're going to serve Him as Lord and God. My prayer and Kyle's prayer is that those of you here today and those of you watching this DVD, that you will study God's written Word. That you will read the Old Testament for your learning. but you will look to the New Testament and the life of Christ and what He and the apostles and prophets commanded of you. And that you will live your life according to the words of Jesus that will judge you one day. And that you will commit your life to Him. You won't only verbalize faith in Jesus as the Son of God, but that you will obey the gospel of Jesus Christ and live your life according to that gospel the rest of your days.